Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. What up, what up, what up, my traders? Welcome to the SPACs attack. Yes, you made it, you made it. I hope you guys are super excited as I'm excited. Got the fresh cut, looking for some new SPACs. Got my guys in here. You guys already know the brains to the show, Chris Ketchy. But let's go ahead and then start up this show, and then we'll get started. We got SPACs warrants today. It's going to be a great day, guys. Hit the like. Let's get the party started. That old Mutrek, Mitch. I, I was trying to get my cue there, and then I was like, I can't hear him. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to SPACs Attack. I can't hear you, Mitch. Oh, sad day, sad day. That hair's looking good. Loving the fresh cut. I I heard you perfect before that intro video, and now I can't hear you. So not sure what's going on. Welcome to SPACs Attack, everyone. We've got a jam-packed show today. It's Friday. Um, We've got an exciting guest coming up later. You guys have been asking for more coverage of SPAC warrants. We've got an expert in that field. Uh, You know him as SPAC warrants over on Twitter. He'll be joining us in a little bit. Want to dive into those headlines first. So up first, we have uh, SPCE, so Virgin Galactic. Um, This one I've called out, um, you know, several times that, that one of the stories to watch was that the company was possibly going to be Blue Origin and, and Jeff Bezos to space, you know, in this new space race. And sure enough, last night we got the announcement that Virgin Galactic will be flying on July 11th. That flight will include Sir Richard Branson, the founder of the company. And it'll be done, you know, before the Blue Origin uh, flight is supposed to take place on July 20th. So it looks like, you know, if everything goes as planned, Virgin Galactic will beat Blue Origin uh, to space as far as Richard Branson beating Jeff Bezos. Um, Also, Virgin Galactic going to share a global live stream of this event. This is going to be a big deal for them. Obviously, there are some risks with this. Um, We could see some buying and selling pressure. Um, Shares of SPCE have come down today. You know, they, they traded over $56 last night, and of course, earlier this week, traded over uh, $60. You know, and as I said, this was one to maybe take some profits in. We'd see a pullback, but then the big story to watch was was this event, and you know, then you got your lift off again. So, you know, again today, you're going to see some selling pressure, but you've got a couple catalysts coming now. You've got that flight window opening on July 11th. You've got the live streaming of it. And if it's successful, you know, I would expect shares to move up. Um, Keep an eye out, SPCE, you know, exciting story to watch that we've been calling out. Uh, One of our movers today, we have GENI, Genius Sports, landing a license in the state of West Virginia, Um, you know, adding to their arsenal of states that they have rights to, that they can provide that sports data to the sports betting providers. Um, This has been a favorite of ours on the show, G-E-N-I, definitely on watch today. Um, VWE, which recently completed their SPAC merger, Vintage Wine Estates, uh, getting an initiation from Citigroup, a buy rating and a price target of $14. This is one I actually own some call options on. Um, You know, it's one where I think it's trading below its value based on the competitor, uh, NAPA. 
Um, I think we start to see that gap closed and not surprised to see an initiation here from Citigroup and that new price target. Uh, another SPAC to watch today, we have MYPS. So uh, Play Studios, which recently completed a, a SPAC merger, news out last night that Activision Blizzard took a 11.6% stake in the company back in June prior to the despacking. But last night was the first time that, that I saw that disclosed anywhere. Um, this is a big deal, obviously, with Activision Blizzard being one of the largest gaming companies out there. Um, so Play Studios went public with AC's acquisition, which is a SPAC led by Jim Murren, the former CEO and chairman of MGM Resorts International. Company has 4.2 million monthly active users that spend 56 minutes a day playing their games, over 100 million lifetime to date downloads, revenue 269.8 million in fiscal 2020, revenue growth expected to be 21.6% to 328 million in 2021. Uh, another item to note with, note with Play Studios here, MYPS, is is that at that vote date, uh, over 50% of shares were redeemed, which means it's going to have a lower float um, you know, than originally planned. It will mean less money for, for the company going forward. But we've seen you know, some of these SPACs that complete the merger and then have a lower float you know, really gain interest. So keep an eye out, MYPS. We got a couple of vote dates set yesterday. We have ACND voting on July 20th, their merger with MarketWise, and then VCVC announcing a merger vote date of July 21st with Re-Automotive. Uh, our deal yesterday, ISOS, uh, merger of Bolero. Shares ending the day up marginally 0.4%, um, you know, not a big mover. And then FST, one of the big winners yesterday, up 11% on that amended deal and additional assets included in that merger. That's what I've got for headlines. The, the thing I'll note on our calendar, which we recently went through that whole July calendar, we, of course, have a shortened week next week with no trading on Monday. And then the only vote that I'm seeing on our calendar is SPRQ that merger with Sunlight Financial on July 8th. So that could be one to watch and being the only vote next week could really give it a chance to uh, you know, shine in the spotlight. So that's what I've got, Mitch. Uh, let, let's see if the audio is working uh, again. Earth, it, Welcome Earth back. Welcome back. I hear you. I hear you. We're good. I'm coming in from space. I'm on the Virgin Galactic. On the Virgin Galactic, I got my man Branson right next to me. Yeah, let's let's talk about these space stocks. I mean, th this, you know, Mitch, we've we've talked this story, right? And you know, there there's plenty of risk with with Virgin Galactic, but I, I think you know the patterns have kind of been there. On if you want to trade this, you know, every time they have the announcement of these flight windows, you, you see the boost, right? And then shortly after, you see a little bit of the fall and the profit taking. I mean. Today's July 2nd. That flight's going to be July 11th. So we don't have a ton of time. But what do you think happens to shares, you know, between now and July 11th? And, and you know, what are, you know, some of the, you know, potential scenarios of Monday, July 12th, where this thing could uh, end up? 
Honestly, I have no idea. Chris. I can be <laughs> honest. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta be, you gotta call it how you know it. And right now, I have no idea on this stock. I, I've I've had it wrong the whole time, so I, it's hard for me to even you know give a, a, a statement here. You know, and when you're wrong, you gotta know you're wrong. And and this one, I'm wrong, guys. Yeah, I think the the big thing for me is, I, and Mitch, I mean, what do you think this that? So so if they fly July 11th, that's a Sunday. My guess is that the flight is either highly successful or a big failure, which to me means that shares on Monday the 12th will either be up 15 to 20% or down 15 to 20%. I don't think there's a whole lot of middle ground there, which would almost make me want to play both sides of that trade because I really just think this thing, I mean, on on that next day is just going to have a a wild move. What, What do you think? I mean, it's already wild, right? I mean, what's to say that it's not going to stay wild? Um, So that's what I would say. Definitely pay attention, guys. Uh, One of the things that I would say about this stock is that a lot of the times this stock is traded heavily in the early morning hours. If you guys see today uh, on the 25th and and kind of the other stocks, you see when they move, they move a lot of this in that pre-market hours. And so you see right here, look, look, this was after hours. It really spiked up. But this is why this one really kind of moves uh, pretty big in the pre-market and after hours. So you have to really get up early if you want to catch this one with the news or you got to be watching after hours to really catch that news spike. I mean, even today, uh, even when that news came out, it did give you a little bit of a couple minutes there before it gave you a huge spike. So that's why you got to definitely stay up with these. And, and, and this is a stock that releases those news consistently after hours. And then this is what happens. And then so you have to watch that for the pre-market and then the after hour news announcement in SPCE. And with that being said, I mean, that's also a pretty volatile thing to look for. And so it's, it's kind of hard to catch. So you have to really be on it on top of it. One of the best ways, Benzinga Pro. But I mean, even even then, you, you really have to be watching this stuff. Yeah. And, you know, I see WK Harris there in the chat asking, would a delayed launch keep it in the middle ground? So, you know, that's an important thing to note. The flight window opens July 11th. That doesn't necessarily mean that the flight will be on July 11th. You know, whether, right. um, you know, it depends on, you know, checking the engine, all those things. I, I have to think that if it, it doesn't happen on July 11th, though, we will see shares trade down, right? Even though it may not be their fault, like the weather, you, you're going to see some selling pressure. The The other thing, Mitch, you know, I'm a, I'm a shareholder in SPCE. I don't know if I want this test flight to happen during trading hours. I just feel like it would be just insane, right? So instead to happen on like a Sunday, I think would give some room to do the reactionary trade the next day. I mean, if this thing happens during trading hours, like just it's going to be insane. I mean, we might even have to uh, try to try to do a stream of that or something if it's on try. a, on a We're trading doing day. This, Chris. So, yeah, I mean, talk I, about I, a crazy I'm day. That. I'm streaming <laughs> that rocket going up. I, I want to see that bad boy, whether it comes up or down. I don't know what's going to happen, but. We'll definitely keep a watch on it, and, and it's going to be interesting to watch for sure. And the race is on. I mean, it's not the only kind of space stock that has been moving. Um, you know, we can get into some of that a little bit later, but definitely a lot, a lot of stocks kind of moving on up there. Uh, Genie, Genie, can we can we get a bounce in Genie? I've been waiting for this. Finally starting to get back above 19 here, starting to hold 19. If it can hold 19, I'm in the green, guys. 
yeah, definitely. Uh, I, I've been, you guys know, have been jumping into this one. Uh, it's just going to keep adding and adding stuff. So that's why I'm going to keep watching to see how they keep getting their partnerships and how that affects the price. Yeah, definitely. You know, Jeannie, I, I just think, you know, is set up nicely going into the NFL season. I mean, that's the big catalyst, right, is, you know, NFL betting. They have that partnership with the NFL. But, you know, another big news item today, West Virginia. I mean, we, we've talked about it. We had a couple of betting interviews this week, how important these state by state legalizations are. So it's important for a company like Jeannie, they have to get approval in each state as it's approved. And, you know, West Virginia, secure the license, which now means all these sports betting companies in West Virginia are, are going to have to partner with Genius Sports. I mean, that that's that's just a fact. That's how they make their money. That's how they get those bets out. So uh, another strong showing today, um, you know, for Genie. Hey, I'll definitely keep watching. As you guys know, I've been averaging in this one. I'm down towards the 1850s. was looking to see if we were going to get another dip into the 17s because I was willing to take another shot, another average down to keep coming down towards the support, hold off the monthly supports, and then look to get it right back up there towards the monthly resistance. But at least, hey, if it holds 19, I'm not going to be mad. I don't need to add into the winner. Um, One of the things that I try not to do is really move my position size up words unless i really feel like there's a catalyst that's really driving the stock and that's a little bit different that's kind of you're like playing the momentum when you add that ad there if i don't know the momentum's coming into the stock i'll try to stick out of it and wait for it to just kind of continue laddering on up because that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for that bigger return on the swing trade versus just a day trade yeah perfect all right, let's go ahead. Let's let's wrap this up. Uh, some other ones there. You, you, any other one you want to really mention? I see GMPK up. Uh, yeah, that's not G- a bad looking one. Yeah, GNPK, you know, one of those space stocks, um, Redwire Space, space infrastructure play. Um, that's one of my favorites in the sector. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. this thing's still below 1050. I think this is one that could get some sympathy with these other space stocks. It also may take until it actually completes its merger and is called, you know, Redwire Space for it to really get the attention as a space stock. Whereas right now you hear Genesis Park, you're not exactly jumping out, you know, as a as a space company. So that could be the one to play here. You know, look at the Astra trade, you know, changing over from Holicity, ASTR, you know, looking good here. Yeah, well, there's a couple of them that would definitely keep on watch. So we have these that will definitely look at the watch list, see how they continue to move. I mentioned in the morning to see how 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 these were going to move with SPCE. It was interesting to see them trade up with it. So it's interesting. It's, it's a good thing for the overall industry. I, I guess that's what you're seeing. All right, Chris, let's go ahead. Let's get into our favorite time where we start unlocking things in the SPAC industry. And this is really where you guys can go ahead and start asking some questions in the chat. We're going to go ahead and bring on our guest here. So like always, guys, smash the like. I want to see some love come out of the chat. Definitely show the love and let's unlock it here. All right, guys, super excited for today's guest. Joining us on SPAC's Attack, we have Jeff Baker. You know him better as at SPAC Warrants on Twitter. He's the creator of the SPAC Warrant Index that can be found at commonstockwarrants.com. Welcome to SPAC's Attack, Jeff. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris and Mitch. I appreciate it. I love your show. Love your show. Glad to be here talking about warrants. 
Welcome, welcome, welcome. And like always, we always get questions about Warren. So we thought none other than let's go ahead and bring on someone that talks about Warrens on a daily basis. So definitely, guys, check him out. Check him out. Spec Warrens. You guys can see that tag right by his name right there. Definitely. Let, let's, let's give him some follows. Give him some love. Throw some questions in the chat. And Chris, let's start knocking some questions out of our own. All right. So before we jump into warrants, Jeff, just wondering if you can give viewers, you know, just a brief background on yourself and maybe your uh, trading journey here before you got into uh, SPAC warrants. Okay. Well, um, I guess my trading journey started as far back as uh, the late 90s. Um, I'm going to say probably 96, 97. Um, rode through a lot of the dot-com bonanza. Uh, had quite a few entrepreneurial ideas during that period as well. So, uh, uh, no, I would say that that that's that's probably what started this journey. Uh, part of my analytical process came from the uh, the boom and then bust of that cycle. Um, so I, I say that I probably enter most of this with a pragmatic opinion, um, almost always. Uh, so somewhat pragmatic. I'm I'm speculative by nature. Uh, I'm bullish on growth by nature, but I am also a pragmatist. Uh, we can credit a lot of that with being raised by an IRS auditor. Um, so I, I'm a little more frugal than most in the speculative arena. Uh, that being said, um, when it comes to the SPAC warrants, uh, originally I was just tracking mining warrants um, through common stock warrants and, and going to a lot of conferences, giving short courses on warrants, uh, how to trade them, uh, what to look for. And the reality was I, I saw some components of that analysis that I was not familiar with, things that involved geochemistry, drill results for a mining company, things of that nature, uh, how to interpret things of the, like the like a 43101, uh, which is their, their you know, the, the scientific report that's got to accompany a, a deposit. Um, at that point, I went to, uh, uh, to school and then graduate school for geology, uh, economic geology, uh, a little bit of advanced programming in there. Um, and so uh, from that point, um, we were watching our normal warrant database, uh, tracking everything in the United States and Canada. And for a long time, the blank checks or the SPACs, uh, they, they had literally just been a component. They were, they were not the, uh, the dominant piece of the equation whatsoever. In fact, uh, they, were, they were overshadowed by pharmaceuticals, biotech, uh, mining, um, and, and the blank checks numbered in the dozens rather than the hundreds, as we see now. Um, sometime early last year, uh, we, we started to see the influx become uh, noticeable, let, let's say, to say the least. We saw it become a noticeable factor. And, and from tracking warrants, how do you, how do you narrow them down? Uh, now you got, you're going from dozens to, to hundreds. So how do you, how do you, you try and pin... Uh, any of these down to an investable uh, security that, that you actually want to put your money in um, because there's so many. And obviously, unless you're Warren Buffett, you, you can't own every single one. Uh, it's not possible. Oh, uh, we man. <laughs> right. We love to, but it's just not plausible. So I uh, started to look for outlying factors between all of these blank checks that that um, seem to coincide with their announcements, uh, you know, thing, things that that indicated potentially uh, mergers on on the the, the edge of being announced, um, and, and so started to create a system to index all of the warrants uh, in the SPAC space. And and I say in the SPAC space, and 
And, and the reason I say that is because most of the other warrants for people that don't know, uh, they're, they're far more reliant on the exercise price. Um, they're far more reliant on the expiration date. Uh, you, you do have a lot of scenarios where, where warrants are issued, whether it be part of a uh, pharmaceutical research and development plan, a biotechnology research and development, or a mining drill program, they're going to issue a warrant. They're going to drum up some money uh, with the hopes that that program of whatever variety, uh, you know, has, has bears fruit. Um, and and that's, that's the whole idea. So in most aspects outside of the SPACs, you have to pay a lot more attention and the warrants carry a, I'm going to say a significantly higher risk reward ratio. Um, not, not to say that that's, that's a negative, just something that, that the average investor should be aware of. When it comes to the SPACs, we see a much more uniform environment carried across a, a great deal of them, hundreds, uh, that, that they could actually be pegged to uh, some of their technical markers. Um, and, and that's why I specifically focused on the SPACs. They're a, they're a purely speculative environment at the pre-DA phase. Um, that's, that's mainly our focus is in that pre-DA phase. It does not mean that's the only focus, but within SPACs, you've got several aspects of that trade. And so as it, as it pertains to warrants, um, it really depends on which leg of the trade that you're playing uh, that, that really carries the most importance as to how we view our strategies at the time. Um, in, 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 again, getting back to the background, so I, I created the index for the purpose of targeting. That was the whole purpose. How do we target these guys? There's too many. We know there's lots of opportunities. Um, and, and so that's that's where I ended up coming into purely a SPAC warrant persona on Twitter uh, for this purpose, for, for tracking SPACs. Uh, I saw a lot of similarities to the, the bubble environment of the dot-coms. Um, I'm not of the opinion that all bubbles are bad. Uh, so I, I personally saw this as a speculative environment uh, that that truly could be capitalized on if you could find the right entry points. Um, and so with that being said, I mean, I'd say that's that's where a lot of the background comes from. Uh, it's it, I come by it very honestly. Uh, I'm again, I'm a realist. So where most people are looking for things to go to 100 bucks or CCIV to 80, I, I'm, I'm exiting with my thousand percent gains and smiling the whole way. Um, and, and and not feeling like I missed out on that last little bit. Um, you'll never you'll never exit at the peak, and you'll you'll never buy at the bottom. Uh, we'd all like to every time, but that's just that's just not the name of the game, unfortunately. Awesome. So Jeff, you know, you mentioned the the high risk, high reward, right? Which is something you know I always use to to kind of describe warrants here. You know, before we get into the reward and some past winners. Can you just talk a little bit about some of the risk with warrants and, you know, uh, can warrants, you know, trade down to zero? Can you have a complete loss on these, um, you know, to give our viewers, you know, some more background on the risk here? No, great, great question. And and yes, you absolutely can. Uh, it is it is a riskier play. Um, let's be honest, everybody. And, and I would say the vast majority of, of your viewers are, are pretty savvy individuals that have watched y'all uh, quite a few times. So. Most people are pretty aware. The SPACs are a speculative asset class as it is. The warrants are a leverage vehicle on that speculative asset. So they're a leverage vehicle on the common share. If the common share goes up, guess what happens to the warrant? It's leveraged. It goes up more. Uh, if, if it goes down, well, guess what? 
you get a haircut. Um, that's that's just how that works. If you run into a deadline, if they cannot complete uh, the transaction, if they dissolve or liquidate that SPAC, well, you wake up with the goose egg in your portfolio. Um, that that's just the reality. There is no no one to send a message to. That money's gone. So um, yes, you absolutely have a risk at play there. I would say that risk is somewhat diminished. Uh, and I'd say that it's diminished greatly in the SPAC environment because, and, and, and I, I issue that caveat, the big because, um, because these are, in most cases, they're pre-DA, um, even, even in the events where they've had a definitive agreement, you've got years of life on a lot of these. A lot of these guys that, are, uh, that, that were issued last year in the Bonanza, well, we don't really even have any jeopardy on their expiration for another 12, 18 months. So for, for us, that, that's not really a major concern right now. Um, the ones that bring concern are things that are approaching a deadline, uh, lack of information. Let's say the, the GRNB, that was a great example. Um, uh, the LATN, that was a great example. We, we've had several that reached their deadline. Uh, no real news about what's happening. And, and in that event, that's a gamble. That's, that's no longer an investment. You are, you are rolling the dice. And, and so that's, that's how I, I genuinely approach those situations is those are gambles for me. If they're reaching a deadline, uh, that is something that we do carry a large inherent risk. And while we have not had a liquidation recently, um, we know that they can occur. We know we're probably long overdue for one or two, to be quite frank. Um, you know, if, if we have major economic cycles uh, uh, outside of the specs uh, that affect the broader markets, we absolutely can see some some drastic downside pressure, as you as you witnessed in March of, of last year when you saw Warren's trading down all the way to five cents. I believe Opez was five cents at one point, uh, which which turned into BurgerFi. So, I mean, that's one of the biggest gainers on record. So if you if you recognize that as an undervalued warrant that was depressed through that time, but still had an incredible time horizon left on the expiration, well, that thing ended up being a, a five cent, a five dollar warrant. Um, so it, it really we, we look for every single warrant we touch is a double or I don't touch it. Uh, that, that's just the reality. Everything we're touching is is intended to be a double. We we would love to see, um, you know, everything be a ten bagger. Obviously, those are the lofty goals. So, uh, for the most part, we are looking for a double on pre DAs. Um, and then, as you you leave this the the leg of the trade that's in the pre DA phase, well, now you're into the we just announced a deal. What what is your speculation? And then then subsequently we're running up to the vote on that deal. What's your speculation? And then subsequently now we're despacking. What's your speculation? Well, each one of those legs carries an entirely different trading strategy. Uh, there, there's really no two ways around it. You you really do have to reinterpret your your entry points, uh, your risk reward. How far could it go up? Could it could it collapse entirely? Uh, we've got examples of of old specs that are are not pretty by any stretch of the imagination. I believe Yatra Online probably holds the key for that one. Uh, it might be trading at a penny or two right now, and that's an old spec. Um, so you do have ones that you have to pay attention to. Um, I know that there's there's a lot of dynamics at play. So mo most of the specifics I give on companies, um, I'd like to keep that to a 
a relatively current environment, say, say Twitter, or, or we date this video within seconds. And that's just the reality because a warrant that looks good today, it really might not look good next week because we're talking about the entry price. We're talking about when is it the most opportune to get in that we can see the leverage really uh, magnified in, in that run up, uh, in any run up, to be quite frank. Um, and in, in the case with all warrants, we're looking at the common share. Do you like what the company is going to do? And if you like what the company is going to do, well, the warrant is your leverage vehicle on that. Um, so yes, we have higher risk. In the SPACs, I'd say that that risk is, is diminished significantly uh, as long as there is a, a reasonable time horizon in the future. Uh, and as long as you are not buying it at an overvalued price. Now that is really key on a pre-DA. Um, I'll just to throw one out there from the past that I know is a is one that everybody knows the CCIV. Uh, when that came up on my radar, I couldn't have told you who Michael Klein was. Honestly, didn't care. Uh, the reality was they had a lot of money in the kitty. Uh, if I looked at Michael Klein's history, I'm looking at what you've been talking with Direct TV, you've been talking with MultiPlan. Both those look horrible to me. So, you know, why would I possibly think that this is a sexy deal? Well. On the statistical side, you got $1.8 million or $1.8 billion. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and, and genuinely, your warrant is incredibly undervalued. That was my determining factor in getting in it. We had reached a bottom that should not have existed. It made sense. Uh, at that point, I opened up the management. At that point, not before, because if you do that on 900 companies, let me tell you how long the, the fundamental analysis on 900 previous management teams' success and failure rate is. You're talking months of analysis for any sort of competent understanding. And that's just not realistic. So you have to find the outliers and then follow through with the subsequent analysis on the, on the fundamentals of what they've done, where they're going, what's the potential. Um, but when you're looking at it from a statistical perspective, you're, you're bringing the outliers to the surface. And then you're looking at the management teams. Which ones of these outliers have a competent management team that I like? That, that's, so that's, that's how I approach that normally. Perfect. So, you know, one of the things we're seeing lately is, you know, SPAC warrants, you know, really getting hot again. The, there seems to be a lot of interest in especially pre-deal warrants trading below a dollar. You know, is, is that a trend you see continuing and, you know, who are some potential, you know, SPAC warrants that maybe uh, still are headed for, for a pop here? Well, I think they're all headed for a pop, if you really want to know the truth. Um, I want to say that that when we called this out, along with, with Julian back, uh, Ju Julian over at Accelerate, uh, we both seem to be in tandem on a lot of this. I know he looks at this from the unit side. We look at this from the, the warrant side uh, exclusively. So we... We, we genuinely carried a lot of the same sentiment when it came to the bottom being in place around March 24th. Uh, that, that's kind of when we started to see the bleeding, uh, I'm not going to say stop, but diminish significantly. Um, the percentage loss on a given day had, had diminished to, you know, a, a percent maybe versus some of the ugly days, which let's make no mistake, anybody holding warrants or a full warrant portfolio, you you know that from February 22nd to March 24th, if you didn't see a 50% haircut, uh, I, I'd argue you probably weren't holding a full, full warrant portfolio. Uh, that That's just what happened. Um, and, and that's the nature of it. But it wasn't because of the warrants. 
And I guess that's the key. It was because of the common shares. The SPACs lost interest. Again, the warrants are merely a leveraged vehicle on the SPAC. So if the SPAC has no interest, well, the warrants absolutely have no interest. Because why, why you want to get a leveraged vehicle in something that has no interest? So couple that with the SEC, you know, guidance by blog, which I don't even know who the hell thought that was a good plan. But so they throw out this guidance. Oh, well, we think it should be done this way. It benefits zero investors at the end of the day, adds a footnote to, to a filing, uh, which, you know, may, maybe there's some relevancy there. But I want to say most of those dilutive characteristics of the warrant uh, are fully disclosed on page one of the S1 uh, or the 424. They're right there in your face. So they need a footnote to explain what you're already seeing explained. That's great. Fabulous. Uh, so for us, that was a non-issue. But for the broader markets and for the the, the media, uh, that was a, a something they could sink their teeth into. Let's just let's just beat SPACs up more here. Let's let's use this as something that we can make it uglier. Well, to us, we knew that nothing was going to come out of that. So we saw it as more buying opportunities. Retail market gets a little more uh, distressed and and everybody starts running away from warrants. The ones that don't understand what they're holding, uh, they just bought warrants because somebody told them, hey, you know, buy this warrant. If you know what a warrant is, you're no longer thinking about what anybody else is telling you to do. You're looking at it like, well, I, I love this company and this warrant has more leverage potential. Which do you buy? Because I'll tell anyone watching, frankly, right now, if you pull up a chart on any single one of these companies, the movement's in the warrant, period, end of story. You're going to find very few examples that, that would contradict what I just said. Um, you, you will find your percentage gains in the warrants. Um, and so so that's <laughs> for, for us. I mean, a lot of this SEC stuff, it's been, you know, it, it, it just seems kind of counterproductive that didn't accomplish anything. Uh, it led to a backlog of everyone needing to restate their filings. So now you got 900 plus companies. Uh, everything that's de-spacked and is, is you know, still preparing to die. Everybody's got to refile. Well, how many employees do you think the SEC's got? So, I mean, this is just a matter of time management at this point. These guys, there's no way around having a couple months of having to catch back up. Well, look at the calendar. A couple months later, here we are. Everything's heating back up. So it's heating back up because the backlog's starting to dwindle. Um, but again, it, it doesn't, it, it's not warrant specific in that regard as to why are warrants heating back up? SPACs are heating back up. The leverage vehicle on those SPACs is, is just, just by pure association uh, is also going to heat back up, um, which also brings us to a couple other factors that some people use for their, their technical analysis or looking at these warrants. And when you look at the average volume or things of that nature, I must caution that the average volume of a warrant from a month ago means nothing, nothing, because everybody's average volume was nothing. Um, you have to compare to benchmark time periods that were relevant, uh, not in the depressed cycle where nothing was moving at all, nothing was trading at all. It, it, it's just, it doesn't actually provide you any sort of, of, of true uh, fundamental or, or technical detail that you can sink your teeth into. Um, and sometimes we'll give you a lot of false flags. And so that that's a real caveat with the warrants here. Um, and and I'm, I'm sure every leg of this trade, whether it be the unit arbitrage, the, the common, the warrant, or the right, each one of them carries an opportunity cost. How long are you going to be in there? 
So does it matter if you make 100% if it takes you five years to get there? Well, yeah, it matters. It matters a lot. Um, does does 20% really mean something if it took you six months to get it? Well, yeah, it matters. It matters a lot. So we're looking at what's got interest now. What's what's going, and, and again, this is after, after I typically index them, say, okay, so what are the undervalued warrants? What's got some volume inflows? Um, and and that's that's really where you have to start looking at these from from multiple characteristics based around your own investment strategies. So it, it really doesn't matter what say Jeff is investing in today, um, because if it doesn't align with your strategy and your current holdings, well, it might not do you any good. The concept with us is is warrants, warrants in general. Um, they are a a much better leveraged vehicle uh, for the most part um, in this environment uh, with less less uh, specificity required as say options. And that's that's the other next leg of risk. And that is where you see probably the most risk is in the option plays uh, because now you've got to peg a date, you got to peg a price. Is it a call? Is it a put? Um, with warrants, we've got years. So if something goes awry, it's not necessarily you that you want years on these warrants. That's not necessarily what you want. You don't want to ride through this thing for five years. You you want the ability to not lose your capital. And so that five-year expiration gives you a hell of a long time to play the game uh, in the event that something goes awry. You don't want it to, but if it does, that's our protective and defensive measure is that we've got a longer-term expiration. So, so Jeff, one question I have, you know, is uh, a lot of times with these warrants, we see these big, you know, 50%, 100% jumps, you know, on rumors, on deal announcements, uh, on big news. If people aren't, you know, active traders, you know, I guess the first question <laughs> is to, to be heavy in SPAC warrants, do you need to be a, a more active trader? And if you're not, what are some ways you can, uh, you know, uh, protect yourself or profit from some of these big moves? Oh, great, great question. Um, you know, I think the scaling out ideology is is pretty important. Uh, and in, in the concept of scaling out, um, we, we have quite a few subscribers that, you know, whether it be their day job, uh, other other live, you know, thing, things going on. Most of us are pretty busy. So uh, if I take a vacation or something in the sort, um, I have a scaled out sell order sitting on the books. Um, so that I can capture those pre-market moves. I almost always trigger them for, for pre-market um, and, and have them set at a, at a double uh, and then a little more and then at a 300%, maybe a full exit. And again, that's if I'm not watching. Um, so there, there are ways to circumvent the requirement to be staring at your screen um, every morning at, at 5, 6 a.m. Uh, waiting for any merger announcement. That, that is one of the best strategies to play that is to to set some scaling out mechanisms to to be able to capture those when you're not watching. Um, that, that being said, again, with with every leg of the trade being slightly different, um, I'm going to say that the requirement to be as uh, as focused, it, it diminishes greatly once the the uh, definitive agreements announced. Um, at that point, you've got a, a little more flexible time horizon. Uh, I'm going to say that that waking up at 5 a.m. is no longer required for those holdings. Uh, it is really the pre-DA phase where we see a 
I'm, I'm going to say a borderline um, swing slash day trading mentality that, that has to at least be present, even if it's not exercised regularly. Uh, you have to be aware that that the announcement of something can cause a move that you might not otherwise get a gain that large. Uh, and so you have to you have to take those opportunities to, to exit the party. Um, the reason I say that it's not that that there's not some that you stay in. Uh, I'm still in sports entertainment right now, the SEAH. I know you had those guys on yesterday. Uh, I, I like that warrant. Um, I'm in that warrant cheap, almost down to a dollar at some points. Um, and so in, in those cases, you know, I, I held that warrant through the whole thing. Uh, but I loved the announcement. And so that makes the difference. If you love the announcement, well, you're in a great play. No reason to leave. Um, the risk you run is that statistically we have a a, a pretty good portion, I'm going to say the vast majority, that do follow the the retracement uh, of, of that price from the peak after the announcement, uh, whether that comes within days or weeks, we normally see it retreat, and at which point we can find better entry points leading up to the vote. Um, so that that's that's how we approach that, is, is that once, once the, the, the pre-DA phase is the most attentive you have to be. Um, once they've announced, you've got a period that you know is going to be a couple months on average uh, before you get a run-up to the vote. Uh, the run-up to the vote is also a pretty attentive period because it's a it's a shorter trade. It's probably normally from the time they announce that a meeting's coming uh, to either the day of or the day after the combination. And then the last leg of the trade where where it's de-spec'd, I mean, well, welcome back to investing in in any other company on the planet uh now now you're into a purely fundamental discussion um there there are there are details that you can sink your teeth into but that is a that is a longer term play um in in our opinion so i mean it, it really it does depend on the leg of the trade you're in and at the end of the day uh i i think our biggest caution is that buying expensive or overvalued pre-da warrants is is about as risky as you can get um regardless of the management team regardless of of anything else if it is overpriced uh then then questions have to be asked and and you know i would say i i know that that's probably one that you're you're chomping at the bit to ask about with the srng uh chris because i i know i know you probably own that one as well i know a lot of people send me messages about that one um i own some options on that one i um, I, I did have some caution for people on that one when the unit split and that warrant was sitting around three bucks. Uh, that to me sounded overvalued from the get go. Um, and, and not to, not to say that that one stands out by itself. Um, Pershing never touched it. The warrant was too expensive. That's just end of the day. There were hundreds of other options. Why in the world am I going to pick these ones that are expensive? I don't care if they nail the best deal on the planet. If the warrant's super expensive, my leverage on that's not going to be jack. So I, I'm not going to see the the pop um, in, in my portfolio. So that that's what I'm looking for is what's going to offer me the biggest percentage gain um, from from a pragmatic perspective. And so I don't choose the expensive ones. It does not mean that there's not a few that are not going to be runners because there absolutely are. CCIV is a great example right now. Uh, it's an expensive warrant. It's still got some sexy upside potential. That's just, that is what it is. Do I want to go and buy the warrant right now? Hell, 
as the warrant guy, I got to tell you, I opened up the option chain. Um, I, I needed to see something that was not at, you know, seven to $10. Uh, because at that point, what most people do not understand about the warrants is once you've got that common share trading at 11.50 and above, well, now you're in the money where we're already sitting on exercise. And, and so you, you really are dealing with a one-to-one -one leverage ratio as that moves up. So it does not mean that the play is bad or, or has no validity because you truly are, are dealing with a less capital intensive play to get the same money. So you're, you're, you're putting in most cases, a, a portion of the money on the line to receive the same dollar for dollar increase you're going to see uh, as these companies grow. And, and there is a very valid argument for that being the sole reason to be in the warrant sometimes. Um, but for, for me personally, in that scenario, I looked at it from a percentage gain perspective and, and moved it into the option uh, category at that point. Uh, but you do have to be able to peg the month, the price you're thinking it's going to hit. Um, yeah, there are more details there. And newsflash, if if it doesn't get there, you got a big goose egg. That's just what happens. You lost your money. With a warrant, it doesn't get there. Well, you got years left. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> Perfect, Jeff. I, I want to get to a couple more I have. And then we've got a ton of questions in the chat. The chat really loving, you know, this talk. You've done a great job, you know, explaining some of this. Yeah, SRNG, I own, um, I own the units, you know, and and we've seen the warrants go over three dollars now. Um, you know, uh, can you talk a little bit about when companies call the warrants, you know, after the merger? Um, what are some signs to look for this, and maybe some ways to play this as a trade? Okay, well, um, with us, we look at the dilution potential uh, that. It <laughs> was originally offered in the, the unit. Um, so let's say they're going to give you a half warrant in the unit. Uh, but but let's go further and say that warrant's only a two to one warrant. So you you might as well look at that like you got a quarter of a warrant because that, that's really what the math ends up working out as. So you got a quarter warrant. Um, let's say it's on 20 million units. Well, you're, you're talking, you know, five million extra shares can can be allocated just off of that. Um, so you, you have to look at the dilution potential to see truly how much of an impact it's going to have when they they actually redeem those warrants, when they call them in. Um, from the perspective of the company, this is a normal function. It is, it is uh, I'm gonna say borderline defensive to end the party for, for all of us warrant holders. There's a point where they say, okay guys, we gave you a kicker. You're gonna make some extra money. If, if we, we achieve our goals, you're gonna make a ton, but there is a point we have to stop the party. And that's, that's just the reality. There is a point where we have made too much money and the company needs to call it off. Um, that is why they have those, those redemption prices at 18 and, and some of them are even throwing them in there at 10. Well, if, if that common hits 18 bucks, I just got to be frank. Most of us have already seen 500 to 1,000% profit. Um, so at that point on the warrant trade, most of us are thrilled. The biggest negatives come from people who miss those redemptions, who forget about them, uh, we leave them to the side or don't get notified uh, and, and see that turn into damn near a goose egg. Um, so that that's the biggest negative. How we play them, it really does depend on the company. Uh, we have we have taken positions on on shorting MP, shorting charge point. Um, I mean, I, I can think of a good good dozen that we've shorted leading into that redemption. Now that 
I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and stress that is one of the riskiest trades you can make. Um, any short is, is not something to be entered lightly. And if you do not know how to play the game, do not play it. Uh, you have a very limited upside. 100% is your max if that thing goes to zero. But your downside is, is pretty drastic and can go anywhere. And anybody that plays warrants knows that these can be extremely uh, volatile. And, and a large swing the opposite direction can cost you a hell of a lot of money real fast. So we don't play them casually. We play them very intelligently. Uh, if we see the markers set up to where we look like we can, we, we think that this is going to cause a, a negative reaction in both the, the share and the warrant over the subsequent few days. Uh, that's when we'll take those positions to try and play them to the downside. Now, I'm, I'm very rarely on the downside. I'm, I'm much more bullish than that. But in those scenarios, you just can't ignore if something's going to be heavily diluted, if they've offered 80% of the shares in, in lieu of kickers, and you're going to have, in, instead of getting 25% shares allocated through that half warrant at two to one, now all of a sudden you're dealing with there's going to be 100% dilution or 80% dilution. Well, that's a pretty significant event. And, and rightly so, the common share normally takes it on the chin, which means the warrant does as well. And so that is play, ways, ways that we've played that, uh, whether it be a put on the common share or whether it be a, a shorting of the actual warrant, which uh, I know most people are not familiar with, but um, rarely is it even um, shown as, as an option within most, most uh, brokerages. I know at, at Interactive Broker, we get no real indication that we're shorting the warrant other than the available outstanding holdings that are, that are able to be shorted. Uh, that's how we see the determination between the common and the warrant shorts is that the warrant short only has, you know, a tenth of the available uh, warrants to short versus the common. But they really don't make it very obvious. Uh, I don't know if that's by design or whatnot. But um, so there, there are a lot of ways to play that. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, the redemption itself is not a negative uh, for most companies. It is either a going to drum up a whole lot of money. Um, and, and that is the purpose of the warrant. We're going to make everybody exercise it and buy shares. So now you're going to have a whole lot of cash coming in the kitty. I believe the most recent one, uh, oh, who was it? Maybe it was Danimer, uh, maybe somebody else. But they, they, they brought in $140 million from the, the forced call. Um, on the cashless side, that says, hey, we don't need any money. We're going to prevent dilution as much as possible. And we're going to, we're going to exit all these warrant positions and voila, we have less dilution, but we're not going to give away as much. doesn't matter if on paper in that original unit offering, we were going to offer 90% of the shares. If we're doing it through a cash list, maybe we only have to dilute by 15, 18, 20%, uh, which is also a positive for the company. In those situations, we don't see the warrant take as much pressure. We don't see the common share take as much pressure. And in the redemption process, uh, we don't feel like those are as shortable uh, or as predictable to go down. Um, because a good company that is preventing further dilution uh, is not necessarily showing the markers of, of something that's about to collapse. Um, so we, we it really is. I, I know that I know that's kind of a dancing around the, the subject answer. But the reality is every warrant is very specific based on the conditions surrounding that company at the time uh, and the prices involved and how much of a dilution is it. I wish we could put every SPAC in the same umbrella. We can't. Uh, it's impossible. You've got too many different share structures, too many different IPO amounts, uh, too many different factors in terms of how much of a kicker they offer. 
that it does really start to break down into um, each individual company has something that needs to be analyzed uh, to, to get a true picture of what could happen. Um, and yeah, great, great with- answer, Jeff. I, I don't mean to cut you off. Before we let you go, we want to get to a couple questions from the chat here we we've got a oh, bunch no, I'm sorry we'll, I'm a talker well, uh, no, no no everyone's loving the education but we also have a ton of questions so Mitch you want to grab one of those questions for uh Jeff here yeah so we got one from Scott here mentioned uh, what are Jeff's favorite warrants today biggest upside at least potential right <laughs> um well, I guess you can give us one how's that well, I mean, so I'll say that when when you say, what are my favorites today? Well, I have 25 favorites. I have 25 favorites every day. Um, trying to pull it up real quick. I know I have it sitting here somewhere. Uh, and, and that's that's the purpose. I have 25 every day. I go through those 25 every day. Uh, sorry, I got to reload that page. I know I threw it here somewhere. But I have about 60 windows open, so I could not tell you where it is. So I'm reopening it. Um Favorite warrants today uh, is always a it's always a great question until I've done the analysis of my 25. Um, I'm about to go on vacation, so I can't say that I was preparing for new entries right now. Uh, and, and that's just that's just the reality. That's how we all play it. Um, so I was not looking for new entries after the March collapse. Uh, I'm going to say that most of the strategy has been uh, to to pursue the averaging process um, diligently. Uh, to to actually really take advantage of the new lows we were seeing and trying to lower our cost basis on a lot of warrants that we liked. Um, so that that was a big, big component leading into the last couple months was how do you defensively play a, uh, a portfolio that just got kicked in the teeth? Um, and so most of that was handled, I would say, appropriately through the the averaging process. Uh, and that's because we did see things that were were far undervalued that had just gotten pushed down for no reason. Um, ones I like right now uh, that that are showing signs of something going on. Now, now I haven't looked at every one of these charts today, so a few of them might have already run away. Um, but but let me just throw some names out there. I still like Puck P U C K. Uh, I like that warrant at sixty five cents one to one. Um, I, I like it because I'm, I'm still seeing the warrant volume sitting there. I, I think that there's a few of these that, that you still have some reasonable warrant volume uh, and, and interest level that's there. Uh, I like the team on that one. I, I think that that one could end up doing something great. Uh, I think Cova, C-O-V-A, that's Crescent, Crescent Cove acquisition. Um, that's another one that's interesting. I mean, just yesterday, you only had 30,000 common shares trade while quarter million warrants traded. Um, and so just just like other other services, let's say like uh, unusual whales and whatnot, we, we track the odd movements. Uh, we look at, at individual markers that are odd for that particular warrant. Why, why do you have half a million warrants trading and almost nothing in the common trading? Well, somebody always knows something. I think any of us that watch this game long enough, we know that there's somebody who made an insider transaction somewhere along the way. Um, so that that's another one is the the Cova. Uh, I'd say if I kept going down this list here, I see quite a few that are interesting to say the least. AMAO is one. Uh, um, the African Gold acquisition. I loved it at forty three cents. I, I know I spit it out there on Twitter. Well, we're already sitting at sixty four cents. So you know it's it's debatable. Do you still want to step in at sixty four cents? 
Well, not as much as I wanted to step in at 43. Um, I mean, but we're already talking 50% upside since then. So it's, it's all relative on the day that you look as to whether or not the entry price is undervalued and whether or not you think it's still got the upside. Now, in that particular case, sure. I still think we're going to see over a dollar on that. I still think we're going to see, you know, all of these warrants that are under a dollar with the caveat that two to one warrants are not always the same beast. Um, your one to one warrants that are under a dollar for the most part. Well, yeah, we should see some pretty significant moves on these guys. Uh, even even in the event that the company's awful that they choose, if the warrant is undervalued, the act of completing an agreement that they have even made one. That's the goal. We, we don't even care if it's with Sally the dog walker. The goal is, did this SPAC accomplish its goal of finding something? The next leg of the trade starts from the minute they announce. Awesome. Well, Jeff, I think that's going to do it for us. Unfortunately, we're, we're out of time. We, we might have to have you back on to hit more of these questions. Guys, again, joining us on SPACs Attack today, Jeff Baker. If you don't follow him on Twitter, it's right there on screen at SPAC Warrants. Please give him a follow. Please like this stream. I know I'll be going back and, and watching this interview for more education. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on SPACs Attack today. We look hey, forward Smith, to uh, talking to you soon, okay? Absolutely. Y'all have a great day, great weekend, and uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. Thank Definitely, you. Jeff. Have a great fourth, man. All right, guys. I know a lot of you in the chat love that. Lots of questions. You know, unfortunately, we didn't get to them all today. We'll we'll try to bring Jeff back on. It looks like everyone wants him to, to come back. Some more questions. Mitch, real quick before we end the stream, wondering if you can pull up R-I-D-E, Ride, Lordstown Motors. I'm seeing news. Shares down 9%. It looks like a Department of Justice possible investigation into the stock. Look at that drop. Um, what, what do you think, R-I-D-E here? Burn, <laughs> let it burn. Disco oh. Inferno, burn, let it burn. Disco yeah, I mean, this company has just been a magnet to bad news, right? And just when <laughs> just when you think it's getting better, maybe they're going to get a buyout. Maybe they're going to get some financing. Now you have this as a major concern. So, uh, oh, man, what a day ride maybe, <laughs> maybe having today. So, but that's going to do it for SPACs Attack today. Uh, you know, no show on Monday. Markets are closed. Everyone have a great weekend. Enjoy your holiday. Stay tuned for Power Hour coming up next. Thanks, everyone. Definitely, definitely. Happy 4th to everybody. We'll see you next time. Coming up next, you got the Power Hour. Definitely, guys, check it out. If you guys haven't seen it before, this is where the hype meets the stocks. So definitely check out the Power Hour, guys. All right, let me go ahead and make sure that we got that redirect set 100%. I know the stream was made a little late today, so just making sure we got it set. There you go. We're good to go. See you guys next time.